episode 286 of the Sleeper in the Bust, your World Series preview edition. I am Paul Spohr, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? Good. The Mets are in the World Series. Favorite team is in the World Series. It starts tonight. You've got to be ecstatic. It's going to be a great series. Uh, We are going to talk about it. We're also going to talk a little bit about uh, the Arizona Fall League, something we will be attending in two weeks. Uh, so we have to hit on that as well. But we'll start We'll start with the World Series, and we'll, and we'll dive right in, you know. Obviously, it starts tonight. We kind of know that the headlines, obviously, you know, the Mets pitching. Um, how's it going to stack up against Casey's hitting, Casey's bullpen, et cetera. So we're going to dive into all of that. Start kind of easy. Just in your estimation here, we're going to focus on uh key hitter for Kansas City. Who's a guy you think can – can turn the tables the most. Obviously, it's not like football or basketball where one guy, the uh, quarterback or anybody in basketball that they put the ball uh, in his hands all the time can be the key. But if given the right situations, which hitter are you looking for uh, to be the key for KC? You know, I think it might be Mike Moustakas. And the reason I say that is because you know, I, I ran Matt Harvey through um, this projection matrix. It, it, it kind of gives you a projected outcome. It's something that Steven Stowe did on Fangraphs a while back. And you put in the pitcher's strikeout rate and the hitter's strikeout rate, and out comes the expected strikeout rate for that at bat. And um, so I threw in I threw in Matt Harvey's uh, 24.9% strikeout rate. And then um, I threw in the, the Royals collective 15.9 strikeout rate and out came uh, about 20.9%. Now, 20.9% is slightly more than average. So basically, it's a rock and a hard place where the, the, the Harvey and, and, the, and the Royals negate each other's um, strengths in a way. Uh, and the most likely outcome is that you that they strike out at sort of a league average rate. Um, I think I think that that means then is that the guy with the most power has the chance to be the most has the most impact on the series, and that's that uh, is uh, you know technically Kendrys Morales, but he's not going to be able to play in every in every game. Um, plus, um, you know Mustakis has been so up and down that I thought. Uh, you know, it'd be really interesting to see if, um, you know, he's the good version of himself, if he's going the other way and pulling, if he can do both. Um, if not, um, you know, wh- wh- how's he going to how's he going to fare? So he's the guy with the most power. And uh, if if, you know, that contact strength is a little bit negated, uh, then the guy with the most power is the guy that might be able to to break it open for the role. That makes a lot of sense. I, I really do like that. And like you said, uh, the the big through line for the whole series is probably the power pitching of the Mets versus the contact heavy hitting of the Royals. But it, again, they could they could negate each other. Let's flip it over to the other side to the Mets, and we know who has been the key hitter for them. It's obviously Ben Daniel Murphy. But but who do you think is the key hitter in this particular matchup against the Royals? Yeah, it's uh it's tempting to say Daniel Murphy uh, again. Um, and, uh, you know, to some extent, um, his very even spray when it comes to, uh, being able to go opposite, uh, field, 
Um, you know, not and having sort of a one to one type ground ball to fly ball ratio, having some power, being able to cover, being able to go in, you know, go to the opposite field and and pull right now. Um, I think that's why he's doing so well right now is he's added pull to the game and the, the, the pitchers haven't really um, haven't really adjusted yet. Um, and, uh, you know, to be honest, when a guy can pull and go the other way, it's kind of hard to know how to attack him. And, uh, but I, I, you know, I've said this before, since he's so close to the plate now, uh, and that's been a large portion, portion of his, of his power output, I would be throwing backdoor sinkers at him. Um, you know, sinkers that look like they're about to hit him in the hip and, uh, and then come over the inside part of the plate, because I think he's so close to the plate, he won't be able to swing at those. He'll lay off of those and he'll get a bunch of called strikes on them. So, um, I do think that's an adjustment that's coming. We saw it already happen a little bit. In, in past games, but um, we may see that a lot of that in the in the World Series. But, you know, in terms of these two teams and how they match up, for the most part, other than Volquez, these are fly ball. This is a, they're some, they're fly ball pitchers. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's Chris Young that messed it up or what, because I when I think of Cueto and Volquez, I think of ground ball guys. But as a as a starting staff, the Royals uh, are the fourth have the fourth lowest ground ball rate. Wow. So, you know, if that holds true. And they're kind of a fly ball squad. Then uh, something like a Ligaris or Kadir is is best matched up for, against them because they're the biggest ground ball guys. And I could, you know, in particular, I could see, you know, on a one plate appearance level, I could see a Kadir against Duffy uh, type uh, at bat where uh, they match up really well for Kadir's strengths and that, you know, he can hit uh, the ground. He hits a lot of ground balls. He's going to have a good swing plane to go up against Duffy and his fly balls. He's a right-hander, Duffy's left-handed. So, you know, that's a possible uh, thing. But for, for one guy, I think, you know, if Juan Lagares got hot, um, he would give the Mets a Royals-type player, a guy who can put the ball in Absolutely. play, run around. You know, if he played some good defense, he would look like the Royals guy. And then we'd have to read a lot of stories about how a Royals player on the Mets, um, you know, wanted you're, for that. No, but, you're already uh, trademarking you know, that. Nobody else can, yeah, nobody else can do that. I own that story. <laughs> you got you got that nailed. No, I, I, I again you had you had to talk about Murphy because he's been so so hot. He can do so many things that if he just stays hot, he's basically the bum garner of this year. Except obviously on the other side of the ball, but there are other guys who are going to come up. You didn't mention Cespedes at all. Obviously, uh, my guess partly is because you didn't want to just look like an you know look like you're going for an obvious answer. But how do you think he stacks up against this Royals team? You know, I'm a little worried about Cespedes because it just seems so obvious what his flaws are, you know? And, you know, August Fagerstrom wrote a piece today about um, how, uh, you know, you can see that he can't hit balls, you know, high in the zone. The, the, the book is high in the zone with the fastball. And then, you know, once you get ahead, you know, either high in the zone with the fastball or uh, low and away with the breaking pitch. And uh, it's it's somewhat similar to uh, the kind of stuff that ended Andrew Jones's career, I think. Oh wow! Um, and you know, I don't know that it's necessarily to that ex- that extent yet, but it's like the book is there. I haven't seen Cespedes do much to 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 do anything about it. Maybe the high fastball needs to have some heat behind it. Uh, maybe he can catch up to slower high fastballs, but. Um, you know, Volquez is going to bring it at 96, um, you know, and, and I, when I compare these two teams, 
as much as everyone likes to say that the you know the story is that the Mets are the power arms, uh, you know the Royals were you know starting arms in terms of velocity, just straight velocity, were only two or three ranks below the Mets. Uh, yeah, I mean it's just the fact they've got a lot of power yeah. guys themselves. Yeah, you think about it, Ventura uh, and Volquez, and then uh, you know even Cueto can bring it. So um, you know those three guys uh, can they hit the high in the zone? I mean I'm pretty sure Cueto can. I know Ventura can. Uh, Volquez used to be a sinker baller, but he's a little bit flatter now, a little bit higher velocity, and a little bit more all over the zone. So uh, maybe all three of those guys can hit the high fastball and, and get Cespedes out. I mean, I think, you know, also it's him going up against AL foes, guys that know the book against him, have pitched against him a lot. Whereas, you know, to some extent, maybe some of Cespedes' breakout in the National League was just guys not knowing how to pitch him. That's a good point. That last one's a really good point. And, you know, he played with Detroit this year. Sure, KC got several looks at him. I don't remember exactly how many games uh, it was. But, yeah, you, you talk about that high fastball. It was a big struggle for him all year. Cespedes only had a 456 OPS on uh, fastballs in the upper third of the zone. So, We'll see if they attack him that way. Again, having some prior knowledge, that might be the, the, the key for them. Let's jump over to the pitchers uh, and, again, talk about kind of the, the, the key guy that you see. I know, again, you're trying to avoid the, the super obvious one, so I doubt you're going to say Harvey and Cueto. But who's the key pitcher for, for the Royals? Is it somebody out of that bullpen? Is it one of their starters in the middle because they don't run too deep with their rotation? Who's, who's the pitcher that can really turn this for Kansas City? You know, I, you know, I guess a lot of uh, National League teams uh, probably haven't seen Chris Young very much. Um, you know, and, and I think that he benefits uh, from, you know, his deception. He's going to give them three or four good innings, even if people can pick him up, um, you know, in the third or fourth inning, he can get through three or four innings, get him to that bullpen. So, you know, I actually don't think of Chris Young as, as, as a key. Um, Cueto has been up and down and Volquez has been up and down. And, and you know, I'm tr- you know, I don't need to stay away from the obvious if it's the obvious. I think those guys are the key. And in particular, Volquez is interesting because, his stuff, both of, actually, I think both of them are really interesting. Their stuff has changed. Their their slots have, have lowered. Actually, uh, Volquez, Cueto, and Ventura have have dropped their arm slots uh, this year, and uh, and and more in the in the po- in the in the late season and postseason, and that's la- that's added to more lateral movement and less vertical movement, um, which uh, and lateral movement is usually associated with with ground balls, and vertical movement is a little bit more with whiffs. Um, so, I, you know, it's an interesting thing to do. Maybe they have become ground ball guys. Uh, for Volquez in particular, he hasn't been able to corral it. I mean, what does he have, like 12 walks in 16 innings or yeah, something? Yeah, so, the, the stuff has – if you watch, if you're watching Volquez, he's, he's looking uh, – he's having some of his best stuff. But like you said, not being able to corral it, pitch counts getting built up. You know, we obviously know the, the uh, most famous one of those, which was probably a strikeout. But it ended up being a walk that close pitch on that big battle with with Bautista that uh, opened the floodgates eventually. But yeah, the, the stuff is there. It's just a matter of of can he get it going. I do think Volquez is probably even a bigger key than Cueto because I mean I don't know. I, I guess Cueto is too because he's been so back and forth and he can just drop that that bomb on you every once in a while. It's so weird though. He, he's so dialed in. Do you think Cueto's injured or, or or not feeling well on some level? When it comes to, you know, the, the arm slot, I mean, this is three arm slots, right? Ventura said he did it on purpose. 
right? He said, you know, I, I drop my arm slot to get more movement. Okay. So you got to take him out of it. Uh, Volk has, the, I think the movement, the change in arm slot is not as obvious. And it's a little bit more gradual. And, you know, it's interesting that it's paired with a velocity increase. So, um, you know, that one, it'd be hard to say he's injured when he's adding velocity. Yeah, you know? that, his stuff. Like I said, it's, right. it's looking so, great. He add, he's added more than uh, everybody but, like, two pitchers. Like, Chris Young and uh, Steven Matz, I think, are the only guys, the only starters that have added more velocity in this postseason. So it's hard to call him injured. Cueto is the one where, you know, he's always injured. And he's got that falling arm slot and the changing movement. And it's not paired with good results. So it's like if he did that for more lateral movement, and he got these results, you'd think he'd go back to where he was. Plus, there has been some up and down in his in his uh, release point, which is, I would say, that's inconsistency, and I would say that's probably, um, that I wouldn't be surprised if there's an injury in there. So, you know, but back to, you know, one thing about Volquez, uh, you know, I did this preview for the Mets versus the Royals, and, and um, there's, if, you, if you just did three true outcome percentage for the offense and, and for the pitching, the Mets and the Royals, that's how they mostly differ. The Royals uh, on offense were the lowest three true outcome percentage in baseball, and the Mets were top three, especially once they added Cespedes. So, for those um, unfamiliar, the three true outcomes are obviously uh, strikeout, walk, home run. Yeah, and then on the pitching side, uh, it's it's the same deal, mostly with the strikeouts and walks. Uh, so, um, you know, it's a, it's a difference of velocity, but the upshot of this is that the, the Mets were, uh, in the last 30 days, fifth and sixth in swing percentage and O-swing. So they are a patient team. And, you know, when they get up against there, against Volquez, I think for the most part, they're not going to be swinging. You know, I think they're just going to, I think they're going to let, you know, Volquez hang himself. Uh, that, uh, that, I mean, that's the way to go. I think so, that's, yeah. That, that's going to be the best way to beat him right now, the way he's pitching. Because, you know, I just keep saying it. In, in these in these short spurts, the stuff looks great. If he can corral it, they're going to be in trouble. But if he can't, and he's shown so far that he's had trouble with it, wait him out. I, I, I agree with that as as the right method. I think that will be the way to kind of get to him. And then on Cueto, in terms of being injured, that's – we don't know, but it certainly it leans that way. Or, again, at least not 100% or anywhere near right now and just trying to get through. Lots of people to pick from on the Mets side, obviously, uh, in terms of a key pitcher. Who stands out to you as the keyest of all key pitchers? <laughs> I think I'm going with Matt Harvey. Just I know um, you said that I, you think it, I would stay away from it, but you know you never know what Matt's is going to give. And Matt's actually, um, yeah, I think Matt's is the one that they might jump on because. Uh, Matt's strikeout rate isn't otherworldly like Harvey, Noah, and and uh, and DeGrom. And DeGrom. So, um, you know, Matt's is going to come in there with high velocity and you know much more closer to a league average uh, strikeout rate. And I think that way, that's the kind of pitcher that they can you know make some contact with, get some stuff going, you know, fluster a young guy maybe, um, and uh, and make the most of his fastballs. They love fastballs, and Matt's secondary stuff. I don't think he, the secondary stuff is really good enough. Like, if, if DeGrom and Harvey and Syndergaard go out there and start with uh, with breaking balls and change-ups, 
you know, to mess with the Royals because they love fastballs and they hunt for fastballs. If they, if they go out there, you know, changing the game plan on them and throwing a lot of junk early in the counts, their junk is great. Absolutely. I don't, I don't, don't always like to talk about another man's <laughs> junk, but uh, their junk is great. Uh, Matt's is, uh, you know, we'll talk about him some this offseason, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little tiny bit worried that he's a lefty Andrew Kashner. It- at least in that particular instance for the Mets. Now, we'll, uh, I, I say at least, meaning it, it's a chance, but they get Chris Young in that game. But as you said, he could be somebody who, who uh, you know, trips them up a little bit. And even if they only get four really good innings and they get to him for a couple runs in the fifth, if they jump on mats like you're saying, they might still struggle to win that game. But at least you're not going up against, you know, uh, anywhere near their best starting pitcher when you talk about putting mats on there for game four. Yeah, I think, I think that, I mean, it, I think that that game goes to the Royals, honestly, because uh, it's, it's, it smells like a, a bullpen game, uh, at least a, a game where the bullpen comes in early. So I'll give game four to the, to the Mets and, you know, I feel, I mean, to the Royals and I feel like the Royals will, will steal one of the first three. Um, and, uh, and so you're talking about two, two after four. Um, that's that's going to lead to a, a, a decently long a decently long series, great. I think. Of course, that's that's exactly yeah. what we want. And I so then the key pitcher is one of Harvey, uh, Syndergaard, and, and Degrom, and um, you know with Harvey uh, starting the first game, and, um, and and them saying that Syndergaard um, is available out of the pen late in the series. You know, I'm kind of torn between which one of those two I want to go with. I mean, that that makes Syndergaard the kind of Bumgarnerian yeah, guy for Game Seven um, or Game that, Six, something like that. Yeah, and if he throws 100 out of the pen and and finishes up, you know, wins the MVP just because he gets the game-winning save or gets the W out of the pen in Game Seven or whatever, you know, that'll be that should be the guy I pick. But you know, to me, I think Matt Harvey's the key because his velocity is down, and he's had to struggle through some postseason starts, and he's not you know, 100% Matt Harvey, but if he can make it happen on 95% Matt Harvey or 90% Matt Harvey, then that's going to make it a real hard series for the Royals. If you had to guess right now, how many innings does Matt Harvey get in this World Series? Let's say it goes at least five games, so he gets two starts. Let's just say it goes at least that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't want to go to that bullpen, man. I mean, I, I... we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, so uh, uh, I would say twelve. Okay, maybe maybe more. I mean, they they really want him to get through that seventh inning. So, um, you know, so they'll 13, be hoping 14. to push him. Yeah, I'd, if possible. I don't. I just I, they won't go nine. I mean, they'd rather go to familiar for six outs. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think seven is is really the magic number because yeah, they love going to familiar. For two innings, and he loves it. I love how well he's pitching. But obviously, that's the key cog to their relief core. But he's kind of the only cog, too. Uh, That is the plan. Let's get it seven from our starter, and they're all studs. They can almost all go seven. And then we'll just get two two innings from Familia every every game. It's probably not going to work. So which unit do you like better, the Kansas City starting pitchers or the New York Mets relief pitchers? I'd if I had to have a flaw, I'd rather have the Mets's flaw. I Even mean, in today's game, where we see the bullpens, Matt, because it, it's not as bad as any that the Tigers took to the World Series, but they have a kind of similar setup, right? 
great offense, power starting pitching, and then, hey, let's just hope we're up enough for the bullpen. And again, not the same thing because they do at least have a closer. It's just getting to that closer. The Tigers weren't even trying to pass the baton to somebody that they really trusted at closer. In fact, he was arguably the biggest problem. So it's not a perfect (laughs) one-to-one there at all. Somebody on Twitter today said this reminds me of that 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 Giants, uh, that Giants Tiger series. So. I've been telling my buddy that, diehard Mets fan. Sadly, uh, I've been telling him that pretty much since the playoffs started, <laughs> uh, just how much they're fitting. And then I'm like, yeah, well, then they're going to sweep the LCS. This was before they made the LCS. I said, then they're going to sweep the LCS and sit on their butts while KC Toronto play a whole bunch. And yeah, it's uh, again it. There are some corollaries to it, but I don't think it's a, it's a one-to-one, again, because they at least have the relief ace. So you'd rather have that issue. What is your ideal bridge to Familia if you have to start with the seventh inning? So the seventh and eighth inning, it, since you can't get two innings from him every time. Yeah, I think it's Cologne against righties and Clifford against lefties. Okay. Because Clippard's breaking balls are no good. I mean, they're, yeah, they're no good. And uh, he's trying. All he's that trying. change. Change up, change up, change up. Yeah. And um, so the, the change up is a good lefty uh, negator. And, um, you know, he's got, uh, he's got his own rise ball like Chris Young. And maybe they've seen him some, but they haven't seen him. It's not like, you know, Clippard told me that he started adding a curveball because he'd been in the in the National League East for like eight years. And, uh, and they'd, they'd seen him a ton. Yeah, they'd seen everything a lot, too, because he logs so many darn innings. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Darren O'Day said, you know, once somebody gets to about 20 plate appearances, he feels like they, they, uh, they can time him better and they, they can see him better. So he's, you know, that's, that's his magic number. I, it hasn't been shown in any of the research when it comes to bat, batter, uh, batter versus pitcher, but... At the same time, um, you, know, you have to trust the pitchers on some level when it comes to stuff like this, that they start to see better swings when when um, when they get past a certain level. So, uh, any case, I doubt that there's a lot of guys, uh, without looking it up, because I, I just hate batter versus pitcher numbers, but I doubt there's a lot of guys who have logged that many innings, uh, that many at-bats against. I've already, got, I've already got it for you, and I hate it, I hate it too. But um, <laughs> just going off of plate appearances... Um, Jose Bautista with 24, Evan Longoria with 22, and Dustin Pedroia with 22. And they have a 1597, 1043, and 764 uh, OPS totals against him. The 764 is a little light for Pedroia because it's basically been singles, but... But he's the he's the he's the light guy in that group anyway. Exactly. So, so he, and he's hitting 300. So I, I don't know. You know, you you look at it, maybe he's... And those are the only guys that have 20 against Clifford? Yes, and there there are also three of four guys, Ben Zobrist, in in only 14 plate appearances, who have five plus hits against him. So maybe he based that on you know his own experience. It is a small sample of of him versus only a handful of guys, but maybe. And I, I'm not going to do this on the podcast, but maybe he was having better luck against Batista, Pedroia, and Longoria earlier. And then as it started to get into the teens and, and low 20s, they started to get him more. Bautista yeah. just kind of had his number. He's got four bombs off of him. It's so. really, it's really. I mean, like if you think about it, I, I wrote about Yusmero Petit and about you know in the last uh, in in the World Series where they won that, that he had an invisible ball 
and that uh, he led with his elbow, and that's why you couldn't see the ball. And then I also wrote that, you know, the third time through the order penalty for Petit was way worse than it was for other people. Super severe. Yeah, and I think that's a deception thing. I think that's why Chris Young won't come out for the fifth and sixth innings. Yeah. And uh, and I think that's why there are a lot of, you know, funky deliveries and bullpens, and there's a lot of uh, deception, you know, on the fringes of, 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 of staffs. But, the, you know... I don't think that a lot of guys who are aces are, are depending solely on deception. No, you know? it, so, it just wears much quicker than stuff. Stuff can yeah, get you yeah, exactly. six, seven regularly, whereas deception can get you – you're more in that five, sometimes six. And your best days when, you, when you're really working, you see guys like Chris Young go the distance and have, have big games like that. It can keep you around, but it's not going to make you a superstar, like you're saying. You have to have the stuff and the command. And yeah, at some point, um, guys, you know, Clifford does not have great natural command. Um, I think that you, he doesn't really have great natural stuff either because he's, you know, he sits around 91 and, you know, 91, 92. And, um, you know, even his, his changeup, when you look at just the movement by itself, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't look that great. What it does look like is a lot like his his fastball, and um, except like ten or eleven miles an hour slower and uh, a little more drop. But it doesn't have a lot of great drop by itself. It's just that he has a rising fastball and then this changeup that that drops more than his rising fastball, but not as much as other people's changeups. I mean, you're not going to watch a Tyler Clipper changeup and go, "Whoa," you know. It's more about. Man, that was a, a terrible swing. <laughs> exactly. It, it makes you say, whoa, because you see the way the batter reacted. It <laughs> triggers you just to say, wow, that must have been a great pitch. But by itself, like you're saying, like if it was a taken pitch, you wouldn't be like, whoa, that was amazing. The bottom dropped out. <laughs> that's a great That's yeah. a great call. But to the batter, it just looks so similar that it, it, it so. has that same effect of a great changeup. So uh, I'd, take, I'd take Clippert and Cologne. Cologne just because he's got great command of one great pitch, that sinker. He can do anything he wants with that sinker. I think he can have his way with righties. And uh, so that would be – I'd get three outs from those two guys. Hope my guy, my starting pitcher, went six-plus. Maybe I could get two outs each from Cologne and Clippard. Uh, I really wouldn't want – Reed, only if the guy you know had some really bad numbers against sliders – you know, Reed can come out there and just throw slider after slider. Um, and he has got a little bit of velocity. But Reed, I mean, Reed just makes me nervous. And anybody below Reed in the pecking order makes me even more nervous. I wish, I wish, I almost wish that Cologne was starting and Mats could be the power lefty out of the pen. But um, that, that would be a nice combo. I agree. If they did. But, like uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to screw with Mats' development or. You know, once once Cologne agreed uh, to to do what he what he did, you know, Cologne is also a pretty ideal long man. Um, you know, where the the Royals have Medlin, you know, the you know the only guy that they really have that's like Medlin uh, in the Mets is is Cologne, um, and I think that can be pretty useful too. I mean, Petit logged some really good innings for the Giants, so you know, I, I you know I guess it's Clippard and Reed with Cologne kind of slash long man slash setup man. Um, which is a real weird role, but he's a real, real weird guy. So, well, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how he's deployed. I do think Cologne can be a, a pretty interesting cog for them. 
uh, if they if they choose to de- to deploy him often and and there are spots where he can be used and used well so we'll see how big bark gets used hopefully he gets a few at bats too i doubt that will happen but i we can hope we can hope because he's such a good hitter uh one aspect of the you know fireballers versus the contact hitters that i haven't heard discussed a lot maybe you can tell me it doesn't matter that much but we know that there are going to be some strikeouts uh for these mets pitchers they're not just because casey doesn't strike out a lot they're still going to get some, but when they do make contact, how big of a deal is the New York defense to you? New York defense versus the KC contact. Where's the edge there? Do they have enough defense to, you know, ter- turn a lot of playable contact into outs, or is that going to be a struggle for them as well? Which, by the way, if it is, would present another uh, parallel to that 2012 Tigers team. Oh God, man, I'm so I'm so afraid. You know, the and and. This could be a, like a career be a real crap storm because the defensive ratings for Flores on Fangraphs are are decent, sort of scratch. You know, they say he's he's okay, okay, and yet it's a little bit. I think it's it's not. You know, it's, it looks like it's been for two years, but you know he hasn't been playing every day for two years. Yeah, and I think the sample is a little bit more like you know, pointing to one year of defensive numbers and saying, look, you know, Wilmer Flores is, can be a shortstop. Whereas you have to remember the organization moved him off of shortstop. Shortstop was done. You know, Ruben Tejada was in the major league starting for the Mets at shortstop and the Mets decided that Wilmer Flores wouldn't be a shortstop anymore. Mm-hmm. So the organization who saw him the longest had a need at his position they gave up on him for like I think two years. He was playing second and first. So it just shows that if if you cry, you get your way. <laughs> that's really the the key takeaway, and uh, I'll start implementing it when I need things. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I just it could be really bad because people like. He he has the capacity to boot really easy plays or just not make them. Hopefully it'll you know if it is bad like at least it'll just be like the Derek Jeter type thing where you can't really tell that it was so bad because he just didn't make the play. Didn't get to it. Uh, yeah. yeah, like 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 a Johnny Peralta situation where you where you watch and you go, man, Angelton Simmons definitely would have gotten there, but but would 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 everybody some of those plays where you don't know that even a, a slightly above average guy would have gotten to it. I know right. the exact hard, play you're hard, talking about. That's really hard to watch. It's really hard to to, to to watch and see and tell, you know, and be like, exactly. oh, okay. But if you he's know, booting yeah. it everywhere and chucking it, things he's like not, that. Well, he's not really that guy. And I think that's Thank why you. the defensive numbers like him. He's a guy who stands in one place. He stands where the defensive coach tells him to stand. And he usually gets to the ball and he usually throws it to first. I mean, you know, that's why, that's why faking it at short has worked. You're describing um, Peralta, by the way, because he also has it is, power. It is. It is. And maybe it'll work out. I'm just so skeptical. I've never thought he was a shortstop. I thought I thought he would be a tweener that wouldn't work at any position. The bat wouldn't be good enough for anywhere. It was starting to club. look like that. He And yeah. it's not. we're not out of the clear just yet. I mean, he did yeah. some things this year, and he is still just 23. It's just that he's been around since he signed at 16. He got a huge deal right out of Venezuela. And so he's, yeah, been, he's been in the consciousness for, for so long. He feels older than he really is. I, I was getting Fernando Martinez feelings where – Oh, yeah. Uh, you know – I thought we were giving him too much credit for being young. I mean, you have to give guys credit for being young, but you can't 
Yeah. Oh, he was league average at 18 in double A. Yep. Okay. He was league average again at, at 19 in double A. Okay. He was league average at 20 in triple A. It's like, well, maybe he's just league average. Maybe he's just kind of <laughs> average regardless of his age. And then if the age thing catches up, now you're talking about below average and boom, out of the league at 25. That was Fernando, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good, good callback. Another guy who we knew for a long time. So we had to give him that break, and it turned out, no, it wasn't there. Wilmer, there's going to be a little bit more, but we'll see how much. So, yeah, if they are making a lot of contact and it is that weak contact, it's, the onus is going to be on the middle infield to, to turn that into outs because that should be easy outs. I, I suspect that even when they don't get those strikeouts, it'll be choppers, though, and, and those things can be tough. They get on base. They start turning to some of the speed that they have. You can see that stuff snowball so quickly. But uh, let's finish the World Series preview just flat out asking you who wins. I don't know if I can be 100% uh, analytical on this one. I mean, I'm okay with that. You know, I have a, a little bit of a bias towards pitching. You know, I just, it, it's, uh, it seems like the analytical position on the field. And it's, um, it's so much fun. I like really love watching good good pitching. I mean, I good hitting is interesting, but I feel like you know, a homer is a homer is a homer. Uh, but there are so many different ways to strike a guy out. And couldn't agree uh, more. By the way, I just love I love watching pitchers. You know, when they're on top of their stuff and are, are you're changing up game plans from pitch from at bat to at bat, and you know, setting them up for things down the road and, and then blowing it by them, you know, when they expect a breaker coming with the fastball. I just, you know, it's just, it's just so much fun. And I think, you know, this is a really unique, uh, is it really unique? That doesn't even make sense. But, you know, it, it's a it's a possibly unique situation to have four aces like this. You know, there's always the big three in in uh, in Oakland and, you um, and, and there are other there are other big rotations like this, but we may look back on this and say, "Whoa, those those four, you know, to have them when they were young." Even the even the Braves didn't have that because, you know, Steve Avery was the homegrown guy. Smoltz came in. Maddox was bought, you know, and uh, and they and Glavin. I mean, this isn't. They're not like the you know Glavin through like ninety, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, they're a and, little bit different. Yeah, this the is era like, is different too, though. It is true, but what if, like, like imagine if you had like Nolan Ryan and Randy Johnson and uh, on the same team. I mean, it was just those two. I, yeah. it, it feels like that sometimes to me when I'm watching them. I'm just no, like, it, it's insane. I mean, it's yeah. it's really insane. Obviously, Harvey Degrom, Syndergaard will be one or two on almost Most. every team in the league. And imagine, imagine finding two pitchers that make Harvey look like maybe your number three. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah, it sounds crazy when you say it because of the name value, but then you look at it right. like, no, that's 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 legitimate. And Matt's again shows flashes of, you know, not quite where they are yet. But if he took a step forward next year, the way we saw Degrom jump from from good to great. Nobody would be surprised. It's it's obscene. So I, I take it you're leaning again with both your pitching bent and your 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 Mets fandom. Uh, you're not you're not ha- you're not struggling to find a case for your team to win. No, I mean, I could imagine a, a five game series where Mets that they lose the Mets game and they come back you know the next day with Degrom or Syndergaard and 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 win the whole thing. So. 
Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's just it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard for these hitters, and it's they're not. I guess Price is a good pitcher. You know, Price is a good pitcher. I'm not saying I guess, but um, you know, most of these guys throw harder than Price, and you know, as much as Price's changeup is great and his cutter is good, but you know, he's the, he gave up a lot of homers on his cutter. You know, over his career, Price has had a bit of a homer problem, and the, you know, most of the time it's been the cutter. And so I feel like um, I don't see as many well, he, flaws on that level with these th- with the top three for the Mets. I'm not like, oh, well, watch out, you know, Harvey shouldn't throw his X, or you know, Degrom really can't throw his Y. I mean, Degrom's worst pitch is his slider, and it gets league average uh, strike whiffs. He doesn't throw it that often, and it doesn't have a homer problem, you know. Absolutely. So I, I I could really see them coming out and dominating. Um, of course, you know, the, the odds right now are 50. They just released them on Fangraphs. 50.3 for the Royals, 49.7. For I was going to say, I, I totally get, you know, your, your angle of it with, with the Mets. But that doesn't mean that we're discounting the Royals. This, this, could, yeah, be, no, I, it's, this could be a ridiculously good series back and forth. I want to fuel that fire. Fangraphs hates the Royals. I mean, it's, it's – uh, they're, you know, from a batting standpoint, they are a really fun team to watch, and they're probably more fun batting-wise than the Mets because the Mets are kind of the three, three, uh, three true outcome. You know what we've come used to seeing. You know, sure. You know, lots of strikeouts. Lucas Duda kind of embodies the Mets in a way where it's, you know, good plate discipline, can hit, you know, poke it out, um, will have good, you know, good matchups, but also will strike out a lot, and that's. Um, you know, from if I'm rooting for them, it's a little bit hard sometimes to root for the offense because you're kind of like, geez, another you know one, two, three, three strikeout inning or whatever. Um, whereas the Royals really keep things going and and uh, make a lot of contact, so they're 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 a lot of fun. You know, notwithstanding any of my relationships with the players, I, I think Alex Gordon's a great player. Uh, Lorenzo Cain's really exciting. Um, you know, they've got a lot of good players on their team, and it's going to be a, a great World Series. I hope. Yeah, I really, I really think it's going to be uh, a fun one. I mean, I can see what you're talking about—a five-gamer, something quick because the Mets pitching. If the hitting is right there, look out. But if I'm if I'm picking what I think, I, I think it's going to be six or seven. I think I think it's going to be a tight one. Uh, very interested to see how how it works. I mean, this team, this KC team. I mean, they just make so much contact that. It might be enough. It might not be pretty, the games that they win, but they've got some pop, too. They're not just a punch-and-judy team anymore, either. That's why this KC team is back here. Their build is some scrappy team. I mean, they won 95 games. They've got some pretty stout offense with Hosmer, Moustakis, Gordon, Kane, Morales. Sal Perez has pop. Uh, Alex Rios is a beast apparently now in the playoffs after an abysmal, uh, an, an abysmal season, really uh, two years running for him. And now he's hitting again. So that offense, I, I think they're going to stay in. I think it's going to go, I, I'll say the distance just cause I want it to, but I, I think it's going to be a long series. You know, let's talk about some AFL, some Arizona fall league, something that uh, we've, we've become accustomed with in the, in the past few years going out to the baseball HQ event. That, that runs, you know, uh, parallel to it. We go to the All-Star game out there. A lot of great 
prospects out there. You really go out there and you can see guys in, in their last step before they make it to the majors. In fact, some guys have already had a dip into the majors, um, and they're still going to be in the fall league, whether it's a James Paxton because he needs to get some innings due to injury or a Trey Turner who just made a quick jump up to the majors, still needs a little bit more seasoning, namely with his defense, so he's ready to take over shortstop. But we've seen studs, Trout, Posey, Harper have, have been down there. Even But mid-level guys that you really find and you get the chance to see them and you really understand things about them. We've mentioned Mookie Betts, Brian Dozier, guys like that. that maybe They weren't on my radar going down. I know some folks knew of them before we even got there, but I don't usually go super deep in the, in the minors, and they were a little bit deeper when I saw them at AFL. So runs the gamut in terms of prospects. I just want to talk about some guys that you're excited to see and then ask you about a few guys on my list, what you think of them. So let's start with some of your hitters. Uh, who's your first hitter that you're really excited to see out there in Arizona? So uh, the the guy that has made the biggest step forward uh, recently and has tools uh, dripping from his butt cheeks <laughs> is uh, Lewis Brinson. And uh, he's not... Uh, Mookie Betts. He's he's kind of before this season. He was kind of the opposite of Mookie Betts, where uh, he didn't walk a lot. He struck out a ton. Uh, in his first two seasons in rookie and A ball, twenty eight percent and thirty eight percent. Yikes! And uh, and yet he went. You know, in that that season A ball, he had twenty homers, twenty stolen, you know, twenty one homers, twenty four stolen bases. Uh, you know, definitely played. You know, an exciting outfield. And, uh, and, you know, just struck out way too much. So uh, the tail of the tape is, uh, so 28%, 38%, 25%, 25%, 20%, 21%, 23%, 16%. So that's the sort of general flow of his strikeout rate. Moving in the uh, right direction. And it's moving in the right direction right now. He's striking out 20% of the time in the AFL. That's a little bit high considering how bad the pitchers usually are down there. Sure. Um, but, um, you know, he's also trying to, you know, probably mold an aggressive uh, plate approach with an, a patient one because he's also got one of his better walk rates. Um, in any case, I want to talk to him. I'm, I'm trying to set up a, a time to talk to him. Uh, while we're down there, because I just want to talk to him about what it's like to do that. Did he sacrifice any power for for contact, or or how did he, you know, do better with his contact? He was somebody I almost put on my list, so I'm glad you brought him up. Very yeah. interested in somebody like Lewis Brinson, former first round pick for Texas. You know, they've always got intriguing prospects. I think he's one of their most intriguing ones right now. Definitely somebody who could make a, an early, a, a quick impact on the fantasy landscape because he has a multifaceted game. And, and when he's on, the dude can really hit, has some speed, has some pop. Be interested to see what you kind of get from him when you talk to him. Uh, give me another hitter that you've got tabbed as someone to talk to or at least uh, hopefully watch. Um, you know, uh, the, the picture that I'm going to look at, I've, you know, I got a sneak peek at your list. So we do have some names in common. Okay. But um, I actually have a harder time putting together a list of pitchers because the AFL is it's, uh, it's thin. It's it's, it's pretty thin on pitchers. So yeah, I completely understand if you steal this guy, and we'll just we no. can get into him if you want. I will not. Okay. I will not. I will. I'm gonna. I am gonna throw in one hitter name that I saw you didn't you didn't mention because there should probably be two hitters for every pitcher. Uh, Alex Blandino. 
um, is the guy uh, I need to talk to. He is a second baseman or shortstop, uh, depending on who you talk to, um, that came out of Stanford. And, um, you know, people talk about the Stanford swing and, and how it has no power or whatever, but he's shown double-digit walk rates, uh, good strikeout rates, and about league average power for some time now. Okay. Uh, he could be a really interesting middle infielder. You know, they still have Phillips for a year or two more, but, um, you know, it's, he's in the Reds organization now. But he's in double-A. He's showed, you know, he's shown, you know, good good stuff in the in double-A. He's struggling right now in the AFL, but, you know, another year in double-A and triple-A, and he's going to be ready to at least be a, a utility guy. Um, you know, Kylie put a few, 50 future value on him, so he, you know, he's got some things going for him. And if he sticks it short, you know, there's you never know what's going to happen in Reds at short. I mean, Cozart could take a step back. Suarez might not be as good as he looked. Well, and then, like you uh, said, Phillips only has one more year. We're playing Dino, not necessarily going to be ready until uh, yeah. 17 anyway. That could be perfect time for him to slot in the second if Suarez maintains or Cozart comes back. Either way, even if all three of them are sitting there ready, Cozart, Suarez, and Blandino, that's a great problem to have. You just can't have yeah. too much uh, up-the-middle uh, talent. So that'll work out. Stanford pick two years ago, first-rounder. We'll keep an eye on Alex Blandino. Hopefully get a chance to see him down so, there. So with but, the pitchers, uh, I've got uh, one name that um, I'm going to check in with, but he's lower on my list is Mauricio Cabrera. Um, hard he's thriller. Like, yeah, 101 or so. Um, and, uh, he, he pitches for the Braves, but the secondary stuff is a real work in progress. So if I get to talk to him, I'll be talking to him about his curves and changeups and what he's doing about him. But the guy I really do want to talk to, uh, pitching wise, if I can talk to him and he's going to be there the day I'm going to be there, but I think he's a visitor. So I don't know if I'll be able to talk to him, but Dylan Bundy <gasps> is, is down in Peoria. Everyone remember and- him. Yeah, I want to talk to him about um, how the Orioles have treated his cutter, if they call it a slider. Uh, they've tried to tell him not to throw it, um, if they've really mucked with his mechanics. Because my impression of the uh, of the of the Orioles' development process is that they're, they're very prescriptive. They have, you know, very rigid ideas of what good mechanics are, and you know they. Uh, you know they make they make they make proclamations like no one shall throw a cutter, <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I, I'm not sure that that's the best way to go. I think you know more reactive, you know, s- uh, approach that looked at the players themselves' particular strengths. I mean, Jake Arrieta says that one problem uh, for him has been um, has been was in the past, you know, being too prescriptive. And, and when he finally just decided, I'm going to try and repeat my delivery and just be natural and just feel good, that's when he started to to show the command he's got now. So I'd like to talk to Dylan Bundy about those sort of things. I don't know how much he'll let me in on, uh, but with him being sort of on the outs and being in so much trouble injury-wise, maybe he'll uh, he'll talk a little. That would be very interesting. Remember, he was very popular uh prospect a few years ago made a brief appearance in the majors and it's been slow go since uh 22 innings at double at double a this year 41 innings at high a and a ball in 2014 so he's just kind of building back but again kind of the beauty of you know doing what he was doing so young is that we're still talking about a 23 year old all hope is not lost but he is building back 
um, and they definitely want to get some innings for that shoulder, make sure he's doing all right. So would love to see if you're able to talk to him, what, what you can get from him. I've got some guys I want to ask you about, what, what you're kind of looking at with them, how interested you are. Let's get to the pitcher that you, you alluded to. It's Alex Reyes from the Cardinals. This is a prospect who's really skyrocketing on lists, getting a lot of buzz after another big year. Uh, Cardinals prospect, 249 ERA, 117 whip, 13.4 strikeouts per nine in 101 innings split across mostly high A and double A. There was a three-inning start at the Rookie League that I feel compelled to mention, even though it doesn't really matter. Um, It it really tipped the scales on that 13.4. If you take that off, he's down to 13 even. So I wanted to get that in there. No, uh, but that's that's pretty good. 20-year-old at high A and double A, dominating both. The strikeouts and walk rates were both – near equal at both those levels. Granted, the walk rate's a little high, 4.4 per nine. Um, So that's a problem right now. That's something that's been with him since he became a pro back in 2013. Big strikeouts, big walks. What does he need to iron out to bring those walks down without uh, hampering the strikeout too much? Yeah, I I wonder what it is. I mean, sometimes with a guy like this, he's working on his changeup, right? And you can't command the changeup, and that's led to walks. And then maybe when he comes to the major leagues, he, you know, he he focuses mostly on the fastball and the curveball, and uh, uses the changeup more as a surprise pitch or uh, only against lefties or something. And, and the walks go down. That's that is that is a distinct possibility. We know he's working on the changeup. Um, you know, you don't get to that sort of strikeout rate with some without some evident, you know, some ability to to put the ball where you want it. So I do think. Um, we there's a possibility we see a slightly lower uh, walk rate in the majors. Uh, I want to see how much he's throwing the changeup. I want to see what it looks like. I want to see you know I want to see if it's like Jared Cozart with the fastball and curve, where Jared Cozart has a great fastball, a uh, big curve. You know everything looks good except you realize that he you know he misses by yards. Um, so I want to see if that's what's going on. Um, his command grade is not great. It's a 40 right now by Kylie and 45 plus in the future. Uh, so he doesn't even know how much there is there, but I do. Yeah. I really want to see him. And he's the, he's the best. Uh, he's the example of the best pitcher you'll see in the in Arizona fall league, because he only had in 2014, he had 109 innings in 2014. And then this year going into the fall league, uh, he'd only added, uh, Just he, actually one. Yeah, Fewer. he was really the same level. Yeah, so they yeah. really wanted him to to just add more innings. And that's, that, that's, that, that's, that's great because you don't usually get gems like this in the fall league because it is so tough on the pitching. So we're getting a treat here, even though uh, it's the result of of some missed time earlier this year, uh, or maybe were those seasons just too short to get him the innings? I don't even know if it was. I don't know if he had an injury this year. I'd have to check that on Alex Reyes to be honest. Yeah. Uh, All right, I've got a couple other guys. I've got some hitters. Again, as we've mentioned, if you're unfamiliar with the Arizona Fall League, it is a hitter's league. That's why we're focusing a lot more on hitters. There's a lot more uh, to choose from. But I got three guys that I'm very interested in your read on, uh, and that was an accidental pun because the first guy's last name is also Reed. It's A.J. Reed from Houston, a guy who looks like, you know, after an ugly year from Chris Carter, maybe he could have a chance at the first base job now. I doubt out of spring, but uh, big season for A.J. Reed. He's 6'4", 240, lefty, just a a monster. 
crushed high A and double A. Now high A is the Cal League, and that you know the offense is super inflated there. It makes the fall league look like a league that's hard. I couldn't think of a league that was hard. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and then Corpus, yeah, it makes Corpus it look like State. the Sally League. Uh, uh, but he continued in Corpus. Uh, he went up to Double A, continued to mash a little bit less. It was it was definitely toned down from Lancaster, but it was it was still domination. He's he's hit since he got here, but he's a little bit older as a college product. Um, what do you think of AJ Reed? And is he somebody who's legitimate? I really like those strikeout rates, man. I mean, for a team that's, uh, you know, second or third in the in strikeout rate in the major leagues, it's nice to have a, a prospect who's striking out, you know, 19, 20% of the time. Uh, that may still jump up to 22, 23, 24 in the majors, but at least it doesn't look as much of a problem. If you look at, like, Singleton's minor league strikeout rates, they are bad. That's the thing. Uh, Most of their guys are coming in with – 25s and 30s in the minors yeah. so you can expect them to jump if he goes from 20 to like you said 24 that's 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 fine with this kind of power how real yeah. is the power though because he is a first base prospect which is not usually an oxymoron he is going to be 23 next year with no triple a experience so there's a there's some some warts on the uh, on the profile but how excited are you about it well, I mean, Kylie gives him a 65 uh, raw power. That's pretty nice. I mean, 80 is the, is the top, so that's that's uh, that's up there. Uh, game power, he has him at 20 present, 60 future. Um, so you just wanting to see more of it turn into game power. But I mean, in terms of minor league game power, he's showing it. Um, you know that 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 grade came from earlier this year. I was gonna say, and, I imagine that's pre this year. It would at least bump up somewhat. Maybe not all the way to the 60. But yeah. I imagine that it, it would grade out better on a, on a regrade. And we have, you know, we have weighted runs created plus, which, um, you know, which should be aware of the park factors uh, and the league factors that he's in and still make him 90 percent above league average in, in high A and 68 percent in double A. So, um, you know, he's mashing. He's just killing it. Yeah, he's and destroying the ball. That's that's how you become yeah, that's how you become a first base prospect. You just have to hit the crap out of the ball. So far uh, in the fall league, 31 plate appearances, 280, 419, 480. So really taking his walks uh, with that 419 OBP, but still a 200 ISO. Be interested to see what he can do out there in the thin air. Looks like somebody who uh, has a good shot at making the Rising Stars game too because he is a, a legitimate prospect and he is performing. In fact, sometimes they'll put the guys, even regardless of performance, in the Rising Stars game just because they're top prospects. But it's nice that when the top prospects are, are justifying it as well. Next guy up is another one who's been around for kind of a while. So prospect fatigue has definitely set in. But he actually made his major league debut this year, granted two plate appearances. But uh, it's Gary Sanchez, catcher, catching prospect for the Yankees. Somebody we've been hearing about since 2010 when he was 17 years old. Still only talking about a, a, a 22-year-old currently going to be his age 23 season next year. Hit the high minors this year and, and did well. Really jumped up after two down seasons in 2013 and 2014 to kind of recapture some of that prospect heat that he had. What do you think of Gary Sanchez's catching prospect for the uh, for, for the Yankees, and and what what is his path to playing time with Brian McCann there right now? 
It's incredible. He's 22 years old, man. I just I figured he was 40 by now. You would think that he was nearing retirement age <laughs> for, for <laughs> normal people, not for baseball players. I thought he was about to be 65, whatever the age is. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, he appears actually, I think, in the in the movie about Sano. Um, oh, uh, Pelotero, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he's in it too because uh, yeah, he right. has some sort of similar story. His projections are pretty good. Steamer has him um, hitting 252 with a 300 on base percentage, 435 slugging. Uh, for a catcher, that's that's uh, useful. That is that's, that's, that's a good uh, punch. Yeah, that that would uh, be probably an 18 homer season, 250, 18 homers. Um, I'd take that. I think he's a name to to watch out for. Okay. Um, he's honestly close enough, and you know the reason that it's taken this long is defense, and uh, catchers have have you know uh, later debut ages. It takes them longer. Uh, they ha- they just have a harder time in general, and um, I think that. At some point soon, they're going to have to say, "Well, geez, you know, we got to give you a shot." I think they even have to put him on the major league roster at some point to keep him from at least the forty man to keep him from, um, you know, being sniped by some other team. It's been five years. Yeah, I imagine that's what the move late in the season was that that brought him up. He got on the forty man there because they can't expose him to Rule Five. He would get snapped up in a millisecond, obviously, as one of the best Rule Five players ever. So they're not going to let that happen. I mean, and they yeah, can't make. You know, and McCann is a roadblock, but uh, as good as McCann is uh, with the framing, I did a story this year about how his framing is dropping off. Okay. And and and, Mc, and framing is is an athletic skill just like any other. It ages pretty well, but uh, it's an athletic skill in, in a, as any other. And I think the plan the Yankees had with signing McCann was have him catch for a, a decent amount of time and then you know Shit. slide over to DH. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, possibly first if Greg Bird doesn't work out. Bird did well. What about Sharon's there? And then what about you know, A-Rod? A-Rod is closer to death than, I mean, baseball death, sorry, um, than uh, Teixeira. So and just in terms of age and, and position and stuff. So uh, it is an interesting question. It's a lot to ask of A-Rod to do what he did last year again. Absolutely. That's, that's completely fair. And it's, it's an interesting team because – you can look you can look through this team through different lenses and just decide they are terrible or they're or on the, the way up or, or the future's or, bright exactly because you're either looking at a really old player or a super young there's like nobody in between here they're not slotting the in ones any. that are in between are terrible like Stephen Drew <laughs> yeah yeah it's like forget it at this point it's not happening with them but these are either you're like hmm the guy who's 25 and under for the future or the guy who's 35 and over for the now. Yeah. Like, that's kind of where their roster is with a, with a handful Elf, of 31-year-olds. the only one in between, and he looked like he might be broken. But Who's that? Ellsbury's the one who's in yeah. between, and he looked like he might be broken. I don't know. It does seem like there might be an opportunity for trade for these guys. I mean, J.R. Murphy did okay. Especially yeah. with the with the catching piece, but then his hitting surprised. I would say he was, yeah. he was you know about average, maybe a little a couple ticks above um, in 172 plate appearances, which was unexpected. Yeah, they probably uh, shielded him against uh, righties and played him against lefties. I mean, his babips were, were pretty crazy, and his projection is not as nice as Sanchez's. But you know they're gonna they're gonna know more about defense than any of us in the public sphere because they're gonna have better numbers and they're gonna have. 
uh, better sense of what their own guys can do. So they'll make some sort of decision about J.R. Murphy and, and Gary Sanchez. And I wouldn't be surprised if one of them wasn't gone. Yeah, um, I, I think that's fair. And Sanchez putting on a display in, in falling, I don't know if that's improving his value or not, only has one walk in 35, uh, excuse me, 36 plate appearances because he's destroying everything. He has a 457, 459, 943 triple <laughs> slash with five bombs. Uh, he's out of his mind. I mean, that's I mean, that, that's impressive even for the fall league where offense, like we said, is out just off the chain. It's just ridiculous. And it's, well, who, 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 but the Yankees needs like desperately needs like a young, a young ace type starting pitcher. I mean, Severino is could be that guy, but almost every team now almost has like two guys. I was say, like you that. need more than one to to yeah. to kind of just in case you don't put all your eggs in that one basket anymore. You go like the Mets. You put several eggs. They were hoping to get maybe one or two of them. Instead, they got three, four, uh, uh, with more potentially I mean, on the way with Wheeler and Montero. And we have Pineda down for 163, Eovaldi for 160. He's, like, currently hurt. Tanaka just had surgery, and he's down for 198. So, really, you'd want your sixth pitcher to be good. Right now, it's CC. You know, the bottom of that rotation is Nova and CC and Warren. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think Nova's probably a better long man, swing man type guy. He never really came up with the change. That's and, fair. you know, it's two-pitch pitcher. Uh, CC... You know, alcohol, knee, uh, poor performance. I mean, it, you don't really want to bank on him. And though I like Warren, um, you know, maybe maybe he's a six guy and Nova's in the bullpen. Yeah, uh, I think Warren would be best as a multi-inning reliever. I think it'd be great yeah. if they just kind of committed to two, three-inning stints. And then you bring in a fifth. You bring in a nice young fifth pitcher that. Uh, could be anything from your number four to your number two, depending on how his things work out. I don't know. It just looks to me like youth in their starting pitching is is what's best for them. Because they have Ackley, who looked like he took over second base for them. They have representative guys all around the diamond. Uh, is Maybe Gardner's a free agent, but... Um, no, I think, I, I think he's still signed. Yeah, they've got it. they got him on a big deal four-year deal that he just recently signed oh, with a okay. 19 option. So he's around. Okay. Uh, Ellsbury's yeah, so around. I mean, what, what position are you – like, do you really no, need you to like – you nailed it. I mean, it. They, they've got guys at every position. Uh, with Ackley, I guess you do Ackley Ref Snyder or Ackley Perella. You, you figure out second base. Uh, Bird is your is your uh, your corner infield backup guy. And that means you may have a surplus with Murphy and Sanchez and – Maybe you can turn that into a young pitcher or something. I, you know, That's with cool. a with a prospect or something. I don't know. I like that. I think that could be very interesting. All right, it would make this it would make this team look a lot better all of a sudden. If 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 you got a full year of Severino, you've got you know whatever young starting pitcher. You're hoping that Tanaka, Pineda, Iovaldi can stay in one piece. Um, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, if they do, if two of those three veterans do stay in in one piece and are available at the end of the year. Um, then you've got a, a team that might do better than they did last year. I mean, they could be the winners of their division next year. Here's a tough one on the fly, admittedly. But but what what team needs a catcher? Can you think of any that need a catcher? And then and then who we might slot? Uh, what what young pitcher they could they could throw back? I'm trying to think of a team that actually really about needs a catcher right now. Braves, uh, you know, what depending on what they feel about Christian Betancourt. Okay, well, he's defense primarily anyway so i wouldn't 
Might be um, a good pairing. You know, Sanchez exactly. versus Benancourt might be a good pairing. And they've been um, they've been stockpiling young arms. They've got one that they could give, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, like, Tehran might be getting expensive soon. Um, so that's an interesting uh, name to throw out there, at least. Maybe even uh, somebody that they just recently, you know, someone that they recently acquired, like a Matt Whistler. What about a Fulte? You think he's a reliever? Or can he... he Mike Fulton, I mean, they got they got Pineda. I mean, they got uh, Ivaldi in a similar situation where people weren't still weren't sure that he was a, a starter. So, if they saw something like they saw with Ivaldi, maybe um, maybe they maybe they they go for it. Um, let's see who else. Uh, I'm just at the bottom of the uh, Cubs uh, depth chart. We've got um, Carlos Perez and Chris Iannetta on the Angels, but they're not going to give up pitching. Uh, Derek Norris. Probably representative, probably okay. Let's yeah, go a they're, gonna, they're gonna stick with him. I mean, Nick Hundley. Nick so Hundley. Yeah, Rockies. Are they gonna give any? Pitch they're not gonna give up an arm. Exactly. Uh, Real about, Muto and the Marlins. It seems okay. What about the Cameron Rupp and the Phillies? The White Sox. They've got Tyler Flowers, Rob Brantley. I mean, that, maybe what, you could take a chance on like Frankie Montas and just say, we think his secondary pitches are good enough. And Sanchez for Montas. That seems like a, an overpay from the Yankees, but you never know. Something, yeah. something like that. That could be something there. Oh, the Rays. Uh, the Rays know. have needed a catcher since they came into existence, I think. And yet they never really go for it. They always just no. buy guys like Rene Rivera, right? They buy garbage that can frame, and, yeah. and they'll take whatever they can get from hitting. But maybe they finally buy because they need it, and they do have – you know that. That's one thing that they always have too is is young arms. I'm not. I can't think of the arm that it would be. It's probably oh, but somebody. The Rays are going to trade an arm. I mean, they're going to trade an arm. They've got. They're about ten deep in the in the starting rotation. Exactly. So I think that that might be a match. That team, right? It, those two. It, except it, then you got the division stuff that yeah, everyone worries about. And it's fair, the, especially if the you're Mariners trading are young a guys. wild card. The Mariners are a wild card. Zunino's been there forever, and you know he does some things nicely, but uh, he's hate. not very. Yeah, he can't really hit. Um, you know, you might pair him. Angels don't have any arms to trade, not young arms especially. Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting to put together if the Rays – I mean, maybe the, the Rays think outside the box, and they'll they'll take anybody's money, basically. That's true. Uh, they'll take anybody's players, you know. If the, they the, think the, they, they, they want trade. to improve. I don't think – yeah, I think you're right. They wouldn't box themselves in just because they worry about pitcher X – Pitching against them for Solly six years. Was, Solly did okay last year. Surprising amount of power. He had that big power run that was insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's say they think Gary Sanchez is a good framer. I mean, just list the pitchers for the race. Archer, Odorizzi, Smiley, Erasmo, Moore, Carnes, plus uh, Cobb. Oh, uh, Cobb coming back, plus um, uh, that guy. Yeah, Blake Snell. And uh, and maybe the, the Yankees like Alex Colme. Maybe it's a J.R. Murphy for Alex Colme trade. I mean, yeah, maybe it's smaller. smaller. That's a good yeah. call. It doesn't have to be Sanchez. Yeah. So, so uh, we'll the Rays are going to trade somebody because they they do this all the time. Yeah. I definitely stockpile the pitching yeah. and flip yeah. it. Yeah. No, I like I where think... your head's at on Sanchez or Murphy offering the 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 Yankees a chance to go get some pitching. That's a good one. I've got one more guy I'm very interested in because this is another guy. Uh, who, you know, it's kind of a, a prospect fatigue situation, except he never really showed the good end of it. It was just that he was drafted high, and so he was supposed to be good. That's Bubba Starling for the two-time World Series uh, Kansas City Royals organization. 
They got him in the uh, first round, fifth pick back in 2011. You know, multi-sport star was supposed to have the kind of do everything. The numbers have been underwhelming for sure. Um, what does the scouting say? What, where is Bubba Starling in, in his progression? He's out there raking right now. Um, you know, he's on Sanchez's team, and he pales in comparison to Sanchez's 1402 OPS, but his 974 isn't too bad uh, himself. So Starling's hitting again and, and, and did all right this year. But again, the numbers are underwhelming. What do you see from the scouting standpoint of it? I mean, Kylie didn't even give him a number. That's bad. That's a bad scene. It's not good. And, uh, you know, it's not like the Royals prospects, right? Like the farm right now is so stocked that that's why he didn't, you know, make it. It's from what I've heard, most prospect guys just hate his swing. And, have you know, there's been a lot of prospect guys who like, you know, Bubba is like the, the butt of jokes. Yeah. Uh, and they just, they, 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 you know, you can mention them to prospect guys and they'll laugh. So, um, I'm really interested because it's very rare that I see someone that, you know, had some buzz around him and yet, you know, prospect guys are like, nope. Not so a I really want to like see what a bad swing looks like or what they're looking at. I, I hope it'll train my eye. A uh, little bit for for the bad swing. I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna read up on a little bit more, but um, I wouldn't buy in on him uh, just yet. I mean, even the good numbers that he came that he that he came up with this year, a little bit better power numbers. They came with some bad strikeout numbers. Yeah, uh, if you're looking at if if you don't follow the minors a ton and you only get a chance to maybe look at numbers and read a few you know reports here and there. It, it's not going to look good for Starling. The reports haven't been great uh, coming into this year, and then the numbers just have never really been there since his rookie debut, which who even cares about that at this point? So he swings and misses too much, doesn't walk a, a lot. The pop, like you said, jumped up a little bit. But I just want to see what's up with the kid. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. He'll be interesting to uh, check out. Anybody else going out there that – that you've really got your eyes set on or uh, th these guys that we've covered apart from getting a chance to hang out with Jason Collette. Is there any, anybody else you're looking to see? Oh, you know, I like Tristan Cockroft. He's usually there. <laughs> Steve, Steve Gardner. Uh, is Let's a, give scouting it, reports on all of the fantasy analysts <laughs> who are going to be there. Yeah. Derek Van Riper. I love him. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly uh, everyone who's going to be there, but, uh, it's funny because I don't play cards. Uh, I find other ways to lose my money. And plus, I know I'll be drinking, so I don't like the idea of uh, playing uh, cards. Uh, drink. Yeah, that's smart. Drink. That's smart. <laughs> I mean, you value your money. money. <laughs> it's very smart. I do yeah, like plus, playing actually, cards. I don't think that – personally, I don't think poker is a fun game because um, it's it's. I think it's pretty prescriptive once you, once you sort of quote-unquote figure it out. It's like there are – things you hold on and things you hit on, you know, there's, there's no, there's almost like, just give me the cards. Let me look at them fold. Give me the cards. Let me look at them fold. Give me the cards. Okay. I'll stick a little up fold. Give me the cards fold. You know, it's like, if you want to uh, win, you do have to fold a lot. I, I, lot, I understand yeah. that complaint. And I just, not that much fun. So, uh, I, I, I end up bringing craft beer to everybody, making them try some, 
um, you know, getting yelled at for, for bringing sours to people. And they're like, what is that? What is that? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, come on. Come on. But and, uh, yeah, uh, being in the room is, is what matters. It's the fun of hanging out, yeah. baseball talk in, in early November. Sure, yeah. it, it's 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 awesome. So we're gonna have a good time with that. We will get a pod going with uh, with the three of us. Maybe some other guys. Maybe we'll just bring some guys in. Maybe we'll record some some stuff in said poker room. Actually, no, that's off limits because we talk yeah, about we, we talk about our <laughs> listeners of the podcast show very rudely. Like, Can you believe this one email? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but anyway, you know, we'll be hanging out in a couple weeks. We'll talk again before that. I, I assume. I know Jason wants to do at least one pod before we head out there, so can guarantee at least one, but probably two. You and I will be back sometime next week before we head out there, hopefully talking about uh, the Mets having a nice commanding lead on this series, but we'll see. Game one tonight. You know, enjoy the World Series. I'll talk to you later. Ooh, baby. <laughs>